Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, we're starting today a new series of messages we're calling Holy Roar, uh, eight words that will change the way you worship. Uh, the idea for this series comes from a book that was read by members of our worship team entitled Holy Roar. Uh, it's by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead. Chris Tomlin is the composer of many of the worship songs that we've sung here at Bayside over the years. Uh, the last one that we just sang included. Uh, but the, the, the thing that I want you to understand is that we're not preaching the book. We're basically taking an idea from the book and using that to drive us to passages of Scripture that will help us have a greater sense of what we're about when we come together for worship. The idea behind the book is, well, kind of like how, you know, in the, old, in, in the New Testament, when you read the word love in English, that there could be as many as four different Greek words that stand behind that word. And you have to ask, well, when it says love one another, well, what kind of love is that? Is that philia? Is that friendship kind of love? Is it storge, family kind of love? Is it eros, a romantic kind of love? Or is it agape, sort of the perfect unconditional love with which God has loved us? And so when you see love one another in your New Testament, you have to ask, well, which kind of love is that? Well, similarly, in the Old Testament, when you read the words praise the Lord, you have to ask, well, what kind of praise do you mean? Because there are at least eight different Hebrew words that can be translated praise into English. And uh, so we're going to explore in this series uh, the various words that are used for praise in the Old Testament and to understand the nuances of them so that we might most appropriately offer praise in any given situation. We want you to understand that praise is not just one thing. It's multidimensional, and we want to be well-equipped to offer God all the praise He deserves in all the ways most appropriate to offer it. And so this series is going to take us uh, right up until and through Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which is appropriate because this ought to be a, a, a time, certainly, of giving praise. Now, for each week of this series, you're going to learn a new Hebrew word. Uh, so you're going to be learning some Hebrew here, and the Hebrew word for today is yada. Yada. I want you to say that out loud with me. Yada. Very good. Very good. Uh, it's a word that is commonly translated praise, but can also be translated confess or give thanks, uh, to thank. And the primary root meaning behind the word is to acknowledge or confess something. And so while other words that we're going to look at will kind of focus on the acclaim or the celebration of who God is, this one emphasizes more the idea of recognizing the truth about God and then declaring it. 
As one source puts it, yada means to make a public confession of the attributes and power of a person. There's a focus on the content of praise spoken out loud, usually in the context of community. So yada is a confession or a declaration of who God is or what he does. And that's why it's sometimes translated give thanks, because it's a confession of what God has done for us. So I want you to think of your worship today as a response to discovering something new about God. It's, it's the kind of response that says, oh, I see it now. That's who God is. And then saying out loud what you've come to believe about him. Yada is about going public. It's a confessing or declaring what we have come to believe about God and making it open to public view. In other words, our worship is not meant to be a private affair. It's hardly honoring to God when we have good thoughts or feelings about him, but never tell anyone about that. The Bible exhorts us to go public with our praise in hopes of encouraging others to do the same. Now, the psalm we're turning to today, and it's principally the psalms we're going to be looking at in this series, the psalm we're looking at today is Psalm 67. This is a little psalm, only seven verses long, that uses the word yada four times in this one psalm. It's a psalm that not only aims at getting us yadaing God, but it encourages the whole world to do so. We know very little about the historical context of this psalm, except that verse 6 hints at the fact that it may have been written on the occasion of a particularly excellent harvest. It says there, the earth has yielded its increase. It's a psalm that celebrates Israel's goodness, uh, God's goodness to Israel. And it's often called the missionary psalm because it aspires that the blessings that Israel has known and experienced and acknowledged can come to be known and experienced and acknowledged by all the nations of the world. And it challenges all of us who know God, not just to praise the Lord, but to live a life that provokes others to praise. Live a life that provokes others to praise. Now, it's a given, isn't it, that we should praise the Lord, we who have been so abundantly blessed by him. Uh, but this psalm teaches us not just that we should praise the Lord, but that the lives we live should cause others to praise him. Now, the sad truth is we may come to church on a Sunday like this and sing his praises, but then the life we live from Monday to Saturday uh, may not exactly draw others into the praise of God, may cause others to dismiss God or curse God, as if they would say, why would I want his religion? He's always so cranky and miserable. Or why would I want to follow her God? She's one of the most unhappy people I've ever met. Instead, the hope expressed in Psalm 67 is that our walk with God will be so blessed and so attractive that it will draw others into a relationship with God. And instead of dismissing God or cursing God because of us, they themselves will come to yada him and declare his praises publicly. So Psalm 67 goes like this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. 
God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, what I want you to see here today is that Psalm 67, in essence, is showing us how to live a life that provokes others to praise. It kind of lays out a, a four-step process, if you will, that if, if we follow these four steps, it, it will enable us to live that kind of life, a life that provokes others to praise God. Step number one, ask God to bless you. Ask God to bless you. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Verse 1 says, I want you to imagine with me the people of Israel gathering together in the temple courts for worship. And the choir stands to, to lead them in a psalm, a song of worship. And the uh, worship leader gets up and he says to the uh, crowd, okay, open in your Psalter hymnals to number 67 as we sing together. And they begin to sing these wonderful words. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, that may seem a little self-serving, except that I want you to understand that this is exactly how God instructed the priests of Israel to pray for the people. In Numbers chapter 6, there is a place where God is speaking to Moses, and he tells Moses to tell Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, of those who are serving as priests in the tabernacle, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So what I want you to see is that in Psalm 67 and verse 1, the people of God are simply asking on their own behalf to be blessed in the same way Aaron had been instructed to bless the people. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. May God be gracious to us. Oh God, don't treat us as our sins deserve, but treat us according to your grace, according to your unmerited favor, your forgiveness, your mercy, your love. Be gracious to us and bless us. Pour out your favor on your people, O oh Lord, and make your face to shine upon us. You know, if you went into the presence of an ancient Near Eastern monarch, and he, he smiled when you came into his presence, that was a good sign. Because when his face shined upon you, it said you were welcome there. He was pleased to see you. But if you came into the presence of the king and he frowned, oh, that was not a good sign. That meant that you might soon be taking a trip to the executioner. And so they're asking, oh God, as we come into your royal presence, may your face shine upon us. This is a bold prayer, that Israel would be richly blessed by God, that Israel would experience God's favor and grace. And I think by example, this verse says to us, don't be shy about asking God to bless you. Don't be shy about asking God to bless you. Now, that doesn't mean you can presume on his blessing as if he owes it to you. Uh, and you need to understand that God isn't obligated to bless you, certainly if you're living in disobedience. If you're living in rebellion and sin, you can expect his discipline instead. So a few weeks ago, I was at the Phillies game with some family, a game they won, by the way, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> and, and of course, during the seventh inning stretch, uh, you're invited to stand for the singing of God bless America, right? And so I stood, and I put my hand over my heart, but you know, I have a very hard time 
joining in singing those words these days, God bless America, as if God owes it to us. It seems to me that it's kind of presumptuous for a nation to, to ask God to bless when we've been telling him to get lost for the last 60 years. If, Israel, if, if, if America starts blessing God, uh, then maybe it becomes more appropriate for him to ask, ask him to bless us. But don't, don't ask presumptuously. If you're living in, in sin and you're living in rebellion against God, don't be presumptuous to ask for his blessing. Repent instead. Get yourself straight before him. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not living in obedience to him, you ought to expect his discipline rather than his blessing. But let's say that you are resolved to please God, and you're living a life of obedience, and, and you're submitted to his authority, and you're striving to live in dependence upon his spirit. Well, then there's no reason why you shouldn't ask for what the psalmist asked for here in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. I love the expansiveness of this prayer because in contrast, our prayers are often so piddling, you know? The stuff we ask for sometimes I think is so puny that it must insult God. We come to him as if he's a stingy miser and we have to twist his arm to give us any little thing when in fact we should be looking at him as a loving father who delights to, to lavish his children with good gifts when they ask him. Don't be shy about asking God to bless you. It was about this time 13 years ago that Diane and I were asking God to be gracious to us and to bless us, to have mercy on me in particular by delivering me from an, what had become an awful job, being a seminary dean loaded down with piles of administration and a time when the Great Recession was just hitting and we were facing severe budget cuts, having to lay off 25% of, of all the personnel in the seminary, it was just painful. And we were pleading with God, you know, to put me in a place where I could use my gifts and be fruitful again serving a church. I mean, during the whole of 2010, I think I preached maybe a total of three times. Uh, people just don't ask seminary deans to preach anymore. I don't know why, but it just didn't happen, and I was dying on the inside. I was shriveling on the vine, but we, we asked God to bless us, and he did in a most amazing way. He brought us here to Bayside where I could preach and teach to my heart's content, where over the years we've seen hundreds of people come to faith in Christ, and we baptized over these years, I think, close to 700 people. We've been used by God together to start two new churches, and now the three churches together have formed the One Vision Partnership to collaborate on church planting and church revitalization up and down the Jersey Shore. We dared ask, and God blessed in an amazing way. And so I praise God today. I yada him. I go public with my declaration of his goodness. Because he, he gave me the desire of my heart. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Don't be afraid to ask for God's blessing. Why? Well, not just because it's a nice thing to be blessed, but because, you know, God's got a reputation to uphold. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Here's step two in the process of living a life that provokes others to praise. Ask God to bless you and then make his blessings known. 
make his blessings known. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. You know, when little Israel was blessed by God with a great harvest, it would provoke the surrounding nations to sit up and take notice and say, wow, look at the harvest they had. They must have some kind of God. Or when little Israel was saved from extinction at the hands of the mighty Philistines and Egyptians and Assyrians or Babylonians, the saving power of God became the talk of the nations. Look at the victory they won. And and against such incredible odds, they must have some kind of God. You see, the hope is that other nations will become jealous of the blessings of God on Israel will provoke them to understand who the Lord is such that they will want to turn to Israel's God. <clears throat> and if they turn to God, they will come to know for themselves <clears throat> God's ways and experience his power to save. Because after all, the scripture says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When God blesses his people, it's meant to make his saving power known among all nations. You know, it doesn't serve God's purpose when he blesses us and we say a quiet, thank you, God. (laughs) God wants us to tell everyone how amazing he has been to us. He wants us to make some noise. He wants us to go public, ask for God's blessing, and then whenever he does bless, make sure you brag on him. God delights in blessing his children, but he has an even higher purpose than just blessing us. His purpose in blessing us is to show others what a great God he is, and that story deserves to be told to the ends of the earth. And so he says in verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And so I would say to you today, if God has blessed you, say amen. Now, imagine all of us whom God has blessed shopping at Ocean County Mall at Christmas time. There's several hundred of us circulating among a thousand other shoppers, and it's lunchtime, and a whole bunch of us have just happened to end up in the food court at the same time. And it's Christmas time, and, and many of us are rejoicing in our hearts about how God has blessed us and sending his son to secure our salvation. We've got the true Christmas spirit all of us in one place, but nobody knows. Nobody else is affected by it. But what if this happened instead?
What a beautiful picture of the presence of Christ followers in society. You know, as we go about our day-to-day lives, we have the opportunity to be salt and light in society, sprinkled throughout neighborhoods, sprinkled throughout workplaces, sprinkled throughout communities and schools where our collective impact will be great if only we'll open our mouths and make known how richly we've been blessed in Christ. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And then verse 3 states the desired result of all this when it says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is step three in the process of living lives that provokes others to praise. Ask God to bless you, make his blessings known, and then call others to him. Call others to praise him. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You see the word praise there twice over in this verse? That's our word for today. Yada. Let the peoples yada you, Lord. Let all the peoples yada you. Let the peoples go public with their declarations of your praise, O God. It's anticipating a day when nations and people who don't even yet know God will come into a relationship with him and experience his favor, experience his grace, experience his salvation such that they too will also make a confession or declaration of the goodness of God. It's imagining a day when people from every nation will go public with what they have discovered to be true of the God of Israel. From the get-go, Israel was meant to be that nation that would bring the blessings of God to all the other nations of the earth. And the psalmist is expressing the aspiration that it would be so, not just that God would bless Israel, but that all nations of the earth would experience God's blessing. With the result that every tribe and tongue and language and nation would confess the Lord is God. He envisions the circle of those who worship the Lord expanding and rippling out from Israel as people go public with their praise to God all the way to the ends of the earth. Verse 4 says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Unlike the capricious gods of the pagan nations, the Lord plays no favorites, but judges all with equal justice. And the nation who makes the Lord their God will find him to be a faithful guide. And when people, any people realize the goodness of the Lord, not only will they be glad, but they will confess his greatness by singing for joy. And so he exhorts again, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. They're the other two occurrences of our word for the day. Let the peoples yada you, O God. Let all the peoples Yada, you Lord, so work that not just Israel, but all people will go public with their praise of you. The goal is that more and more worshipers are made for God. People who witness his grace, witness his salvation, witness his justice, and witness his faithful guidance. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In essence, he's saying, hey, everybody, don't you want to get in on this? 
God doesn't want to just bless us. He doesn't want to just bless me. He wants to bless you too. And, and we might say today, if you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus for forgiveness and come under his rule as we have, you will see how God blesses you. Instead of keeping quiet about how I've been blessed, I can point to my blessings and say, don't you want some of this? There's plenty more where this came from. The goal is that people of every tribe and tongue and language and nation will declare, will confess, will go public with their praise of God. It all starts with God blessing little Israel. And Israel praises God for it. And others take notice of the greatness of Israel's God, and they want to be blessed too. And when they come under his rule, they too experience God's blessing and praise him for it. But it all starts with God's blessing on Israel, of which the present harvest is an example and evidence of his continued blessing. The earth has yielded its increase. Thank you, God, for this harvest. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. He has blessed us, and we know he will continue to bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And that's the real goal, that God would be revered as he deserves to be to the ends of the earth. Israel was designated as that missionary nation whose commission was to, to spread the blessing of God and make more worshipers for him. And that brings us to step four in our process of living a life that provokes others to praise. Ask God to bless you, make his blessings known, call others to him, and then watch his worship grow. The psalm picture is not just Israel worshiping God in the end, but the peoples of all the nations. It starts with Israel and grows and grows as more people experience the blessing of coming under his just rule. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let all the peoples praise you. Let all the ends of the earth fear you. When God blesses us, it's not just so that we'll feel blessed. When God blesses us, it's not just that others will be blessed. When God blesses us, it's ultimately for the purpose of making more and more worshipers for God. I like the way John Piper puts it in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You know, as I come to the end of my tenure here as Bayside Senior Pastor, I can't help but marvel not only at the ways that God has blessed us, but at how the blessing of God upon us has resulted in more praise being given to him as more and more worshipers have been made for him. Let me give you an example. You know, over the 12 years, last 12 years, we've had three successful stewardship campaigns that have raised uh, well over $1.6 million. The Lord blessed us with resources to finish the West Wing in 2014, to retire some debt in 2017, to renovate our auditorium last year, but here's the cool thing, of that $1.6 million, about 40% of it, more than 40% of it, about $650,000 of it went right out the door for the Lord's work elsewhere. And so Wellspring Church was planted in 2017, and Proving Ground Church was planted in 2020. And 
with all of those campaigns, we always set aside a tithe of everything we brought in for global missions projects around the world. And now because of the way God blessed us, there are hundreds more people worshiping God today in Tom's River than there used to be. There are hundreds more people worshiping God today in Lakers than there used to be. And there are literally thousands more people worshiping God today in India where there used to be. Because one of the things we did with that money we set aside for global missions was to invest in the work of Glad Tidings India and, and uh, the India Bible literature uh, team, and, and they have sent, uh, with those resources, dozens of church planters into three tribal groups where they didn't have a single believer 10 years ago. And now because of the efforts of, of those literacy teachers and evangelists, there are now established churches and thousands of believers in all three of those previously unreached people groups. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let all the peoples praise you. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Live a life that provokes others to praise. Ask God to bless you and then make his blessings known. Call others to him and watch his worship grow. Now the cool thing is that you don't have to be a church planter or a missionary to India to see this thing happen. Let me tell you about a guy named Jerry that I knew. Knew him for about 10 years. Uh, he was a member of the Rotary Club where I was a member in Pennsylvania where I used to live. Jerry and I became members of the club about the same time and we would sometimes sit together but he knew I was a pastor and mostly he kind of steered clear of me. You know, we were friendly and all, but, you know, he just wasn't interested in spiritual things. And his chiropractor practice started taking off, and he became more and more prosperous, and it seemed like the more he prospered, the less interested he became, the harder he became. But there was one thing going on, and that was that he noticed that a lot of the men in town he most admired went to my church. And he'd say, so Ted goes to your church? Yeah. And Dennis goes to your church? Yeah. And Bob goes to your church? Yeah, yeah. He said, you've got a lot of really great men in your church. I'd say, yeah, we do. We're, we're really blessed. Well, one of the men uh, who was uh, actually an elder of our church was Jim. And he went to Jerry as a patient, and they reconnected after a number of years because Jim had been Jerry's high school football coach. And Jerry greatly admired Jim, and, and that kind of got his attention too. And and then came the year where I was the president of Rotary, and he was the president-elect, which meant that he had to sit with me every lunch hour for a whole year. And our relationship grew. He always you know, kind of just kind of backed away from spiritual conversations, but he was apparently taking note of a lot of the men in his life he really admired, and he wanted what they had, but he wasn't about to go to church to get it until his dad came to faith in Christ. And he changed he changed dramatically, so much so that Jerry went to his dad's friends and said, is this real or is my dad putting on an act? Because he seems really different. And his friends said, no, he, he really has changed. He's a different guy. And his dad kept urging Jerry, you know, talking about the blessings of forgiveness and the hope of eternal life and urging Jerry to put his faith in Christ. Well, I guess Jerry reached a tipping point where he decided it was time to go to church. And so he and his family showed up in our church one Sunday, and it wasn't all that much later that he made a profession of faith in Christ for himself. Amen. It was my privilege to baptize him, and then for every week 
thereafter, what a delight it was to see Jerry now praising God for the blessings that were his in Christ. Another worshiper had been made. Live a life that provokes others to praise. Go public with your confession of what God has done for you. And, and, and who knows, but that maybe a lot of us will be speaking into the life of the same person unknowingly. We'll all be telling him what a, what a blessing it is to know Jesus as our Savior. And maybe it'll provoke them to want what we have. Then we point them to Jesus and rejoice when someday they come to know Christ and stand alongside of us, worshiping the Lord too. Let's go public. Yada, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you indeed are a great God, and we love you today. And yes, we go through trials in life, we go through hard times, but those of us who know you as Savior and Lord bear witness to the fact that even in the hard times, you are good, you are faithful, you are a sure guide, you are gracious and merciful. And Lord, I, I confess that all too often I have, I don't know, maybe been a little shy about talking about your blessings to me. Don't want to make somebody else feel bad because they don't have those kinds of blessings. But Lord, I pray, help us all to go public with what you've done for us in ways that will provoke people to wonder about our God, about our Lord Jesus, in ways that will make them want what we have so that we can point them to you and one day have them worship alongside of us. Lord, help us to take this message to heart. The, the need to praise you, not just from the heart, but to go public with our praise in ways that will honor Jesus and draw people to him. For it's in his name that we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs>